Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. Palm Sunday is, is this, this is East, this is the resurrection, the Passover week, the whole time of when we focus in on uh, the ultimate and that is the resurrection of Jesus on the third day. Now, what I want us to do is that we're going to look at um, something I believe is, is probably not seen too much during this time, but very, very practical and very, very important. And since this is uh, Palm Sunday, we're going to look at uh, exactly why we call it Palm Sunday in the sense of what is this all about um, as far as in the importance of the event. And it is very important because what it is, is it's a fulfillment of prophecy toward the event of the cross. And so God really wanted this to be something uh, emphasized on and seen in the scripture because the importance of it. And when you look at the word of God, you will understand that when God's, first and foremost, it is said in scripture that if everything Jesus did was recorded, that there wouldn't be any way to record it. There was just too much. Now we read in the scripture, I mean, we read it about all the signs and wonders and miracles, and we're like going, this is, this is amazing. But it says that if all of them were written down, we, we wouldn't have enough books to contain it. And so when we're seeing this, I need you to multiply everything in your mind about when God says in the word, and he healed them all. It, we, we glance over those things, and I don't think it's, it gives the right service to the word of God. We look at specific events in the Bible of, of a blind eyes being open, the lame walking, uh, lepers being healed. And it's, they're awesome and it's great. And everything about it is important. But what I need you to look at as well as is the small words that make an, a major impact if you hear them, if you receive them. And when the Bible just shoots over a small sentence, he healed them all. It's something that you need to put your name in there. You need to put your life in there. You know, you might not see, you know, I, I don't have leprosy, you know, and so you can pass it on. But what you have to do is look at the word of God the way you need to look at it as a book of life for you. A book of hope for you, a book of love, book of faith, book of encouragement, book of building, book of change, book of transformation. That's what it is. And so when we start really paying attention, paying attention to the scripture, paying attention to the truth. And I'm telling you, when you look at this and pay attention to it, you look at how much Jesus and, and the word specifically goes against religion. I mean, plain out attack, strong, aggressive attack. And if we are paying attention to Palm Sunday, to the crucifixion, to Easter Sunday, the resurrection, there's these five days when Jesus is going all out, all out on 
religion. I mean, just bam, hitting it hard. Now, what is his direction? His direction is going to the cross. But there's something that's happening in his heart, in what he believes is a priority at the point of what we're going to see to the point of the cross. He's not going to mess, mess these days up. He's going to go out all out warfare against religion. And there's a reason why it's he's here. He's here because of it. He came because of it. And we need to pay attention to this because I'm telling you people, I've been doing this for a long time, a long time. And I need you to understand that there's so many things that we get wrapped up in that are not scriptural, but just religious concepts and legalism that we, that we just keep bound to our lives and it keep us bound. I'm on, I'm on, a, I'm on a, a rampage of destroying religion in people's lives. I want life. I want the words of Jesus to be able to live in you, to be living words of life in you. And that's the only way you're going to be able to experience life. It's the only way you're going to be able to experience the highest level of, of marriage, of parenting, of, of relationships. It's the highest level. But it's abiding by this word, not religion. And we mix it. And it affects life constantly. And we're going to do our best. Love Life is committed to bring the word to help us get out of a way that's, that's ruining us. To where we're continuing this, this revolving door to where there's, it, you end up where you're a, you're a born again believer, you love Jesus, and your life just stays the same. Nothing changes. And you've got to get to the place where it's beyond, you know, pray for help and, and fast for help and cry for help and get help. Yes. Change is not change until it's changed. So that means you have to make a decision and act on that decision. And that's what we want. Luke 18, 31. And he took the 12 aside and said, Jesus said this, behold, we're going to Jerusalem. And all the things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man will be accomplished. For he will be delivered to the Gentiles. He will be mocked and insulted and spit upon. They will scourge him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again. But they understood none of these things. This is the problem. This is something I want you to pay attention to, what, you, what we just read. And I want you to reflect on it in your own heart. Who is he talking to? But they understood nothing. His disciples. Who are these disciples? They were living 24-7 with Jesus for over three years. I know everybody in here could say, if I could live with Jesus for 24-7 for three years, I'd be the greatest minister in the world. Yeah, right. And that's the thing because... They couldn't get it. And I believe there's a whole lot of Christians, a lot of followers of Jesus that you don't get it. And they didn't understand Jesus. Jesus says, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. 
that is a fulfillment of prophecy in Zechariah. Written 550 so years before the event. The prophet Zechariah writes how the king will enter into Jerusalem on a donkey, on a colt. And Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to go into Jerusalem. I need you to go get me a donkey. And so he sends them in too on the way to Jerusalem to pick up that colt and to bring that donkey to him. Now this is an amazing thing because everything that's about to happen is in reference to Messiah. Everybody say Messiah. Okay, we're not talking about Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. We're not talking about what we know of him. We're talking about the Jewish concept of Messiah. Everything that they're taught in the Old Testament, everything they're taught about who they are as a people is tied to the Messiah is going to come. The Messiah is going to bring freedom over our, the tyranny of our enemies. The Messiah is going to bring deliverance to us. He's going to be the second David. He's going to come in and, and reign with, he's going to reign over us and destroy our enemies and conquer them all. And we will be number one again. That's their concept of the Messiah. That's it. They have no other picture. And it's still that way in, in, in most Jews' lives. Or they don't even believe in any of this. Interesting, huh? But what we have is, is we have this picture where Jesus is fulfilling a prophetic word from Zechariah 550 years before. People don't understand that when you look at Scripture correctly, you'll notice that in, in Matthew 21 and Luke and John, but Matthew's a good picture of this, but as he's laying down this picture in Scripture, we have, we have this event of Jesus going to Jerusalem, and, and that would be the 10th tenth, tenth day of Nisan. Nisan's the first month in the Hebrew calendar. It's the spring. It's in the springtime. Jesus was crucified on the 14th day. That'd be saying like January 1st, January 14th, okay, of the month of Nisan, all right? And I'm not talking about the car. All right. So in that understanding, there is the picture of the Old Testament of what happens on Passover week. And Passover week is important to understand because you have the, what, what God laid down in the law concerning the lamb that was to be slaughtered and slain. And it's interesting is when you're looking at this, you realize, wait a minute, everything that's the picture and the type is amazing because Jesus is the lamb led to the slaughter. He's that perfect, unblemished lamb. But did you know in, in, in the law, it says that when you have that lamb, there's going to be a time period of inspection of that lamb to make sure it's without spot or blemish. And that's exactly what's taking place in the days before the crucifixion. Interesting, huh? That's a fulfillment of prophecy of the 69th week of Jesus coming and the Messiah being shown to the day. And so when we understand that, it starts realizing, because when you start reading the scripture, you'll see 
the, the, the palms of Palm Sunday, Jesus coming in. Then you see the process of the five-day period to the crucifixion. Now, that's, it's so important to understand the whole picture because it's, it's fulfillment of, of what so many scriptures in the Old Testament prophesied thousands of years before. And so Jesus is in this, this, this fulfilling mode of changing the whole world. But it's not something simple. It's not something easy. It's not something that, that anybody can do. Only he can do this. Only him. God had to save us all. Isn't that amazing? So when we look at this, we start saying, okay, so here we have Jesus following through the process of, of who he is, the true Messiah. Looking at the Old Testament, this is picture, a type of the lamb that's going to be led to the slaughter. There's this inspection of the lamb that's going to be taking place, and that's exactly what the religious people were doing. What about this? And what about marriage? And just attacking him. And through the scriptures, it consistently said they wanted to kill him. They wanted to murder him. Isn't that amazing? These guys don't want any information. They wanted to get Jesus out of the way. And so that's what this, when you're looking at this, you start realizing, well, this is some big stuff. Because again, Jesus is now, he's already saying, guys, I'm out of here. This is, I'm ending my, my run now. Pretty soon you guys are going to take this over. And they, they just are lost. And so here we are today, Palm Sunday, and we're looking at our lives same way. In other words, what do we do? What are we accomplishing? What are we, what are we supposed to be doing as followers of Jesus? And we get these religious conceptions of, or these pictures that, that have nothing to do with living life as salt and light. It's almost as something fearful that God's going to send me to missionary to, you know, uh, some far off island of, you know, crazy people. And God's like, I need you to live big for me right now. Don't worry about me sending you off to some island. You can't even, you know, serve me in Jack in the Box. You know, and we're all afraid he's going to send us me, send me out to the world. Don't worry about that. When that happens, you'll be ready. Just like when he opened the door and said, okay, you're going to be a pastor. He, he knew. I, I, did, I, I threw a fit, but ultimately I did what he said. And it's worked out. Why? Because it ain't about me. It's all about him. That's where I want every one of us to be. Amen. So we have the, the prophetic word of fulfilled. Jesus goes into Jerusalem. <clears throat> we read Matthew 21. It says, they approached Jerusalem, came to the, out from the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two disciples saying, go to the village ahead of you. Find a donkey tied there, cope with her, untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says to you, hey, what are you doing? Just tell them the Lord needs them. And they'll give it to you. So they get the donkey. 
and they bring it to Jesus, and he sits on it and starts riding the donkey to Jerusalem. A very large crowd spreads their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from trees, cut branches from palms, actually, and they spread them on the road. See, in reference to Israel, this is a picture of the, the authority of a king riding into the palace. And they would, in Israel, would use a donkey. So every reference to it is, is this is the king riding in. So you, can you imagine the Romans? If you understood what the Romans did, the Romans would come in with their, their pageantry. Man, they would have, not only would they have all the soldiers and, and, and every part of their, their um, equipment that they used for the war and the battle, and they'd come marching in with blood, with enemies, I mean everything, riches, and they'd come in in that type of triumph. And that king would be like going, I'm all that. Jesus is on a donkey. Riding in. But see, the Jews saw that as there's our king. Isn't that interesting? It's just the, the dynamics of view, how people are looking at it. They know exactly what this is. Our king is coming. They know the scriptures. He will come on a donkey. He will come. And they're, they're just going crazy. This is the time of Passover, and they, they believe, as far as commentaries, there's, there's over 2 million people right now in Jerusalem. 2 million people. Can you imagine that? The place is packed. And here comes Jesus coming down. They're just going crazy. The crowd is going wild. The multitudes, the amount of numbers are just the, the tens and tens of thousands of people. And even the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes are there thinking, how can we kill him? You know what their attitude was? Was they, it's even scripture. They said they didn't want to kill him during Passover. They wanted to wait till afterwards because they were afraid of the people. <laughs> they killed them on the day of Passover. That's amazing, huh? But that's all what the word teaches. So it shows them that the crowds are there. They went ahead of, of Jesus and followed and they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now you might be thinking, Hosanna, you know, like, you know, the just regular Christian songs. But Hosanna is where it means deliver us now. Deliver us now. The concept is, is a king delivering the people from an enemy. So Hosanna isn't like, you know, some, you know, Christianese soft message. It's literally expecting deliver us from these enemies, kill them all. And that's their mindset. Deliver us right now. Deliver us right now. And that's what they're doing. Palms being waved, coats being put on the ground, and Jesus is coming in. Deliver us now. Deliver us now. And they think right now that they're going to be set free from Rome. They're going to be set free from all their oppressors. This is the change that they've been waiting for. This is what the scriptures in the Old Testament have been speaking to them. There ain't no New Testament. New Testament's not here yet. They're still in the Old Testament. So this is all taking place. So they're, deliver us, deliver us now. 
John 12, 12 says this. The next day, the great crowd that had come for the feast heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. This is another picture of what John's saying. He says, they took palm branches, went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. They all see in Messiah, deliverer, our new king. He's going to whoop on the Romans. We're ready. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead, they were spreading the word. The, the one that raised Lazarus is coming. He's coming. So listen, see what's happening. You've got everybody, everybody, disciples, not just 12, all the disciples, all the crowds, all the people that have been healed, all the people that want to be healed. They're all there. They're ready. They're just, listen, again, Tens of thousands of people are there for Jesus. This is why they're freaking out. He is popular. He's trending number one. All right? And it says, they spread the word and many people, because they had heard that he had given this miraculous sign, went out to meet him. So they've got all these people. Luke 19, 37 says this. Then as he was now drawing near, there's a scent amount of olives. The whole multitude of the disciples, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God. Now remember, Jesus to his disciples, the, the 12, and then there are many more disciples. We read in scripture. Many disciples. In other words, they were followers of Jesus. They were apprentices of doing his word and his will, but they weren't the 12, okay? Y'all understand that? Just so you get that. And so here he is. The word is showing us that you've got all these multitude means. There's a bunch of them. But we know for a fact that the 12 couldn't figure this out. These guys, they can, no way have an idea. But what do they do believe? They believe the king of Israel is here. Not the Jesus, the lamb of the slaughter, but the king of Israel is here. Pretty powerful, isn't it? And it says that um, they begin to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. This is what they start, these guys say, for with all the mighty works they had seen, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. That's reference to Psalms 118. This is, this is what you do for the king. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious, hear the words and listen what they do. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus said, I tell you that if these would keep silent, the stones would cry out immediately. He said, this is my time now. Remember before this, if you've read the Gospels, you'll read that Jesus was always telling people, don't say anything. Don't say anything. I, I, I'm going to heal you, but don't tell people. Why? He was, it wasn't his time. He, wanted, he didn't want to have this other problem of dealing with the time of his journey. But when it was his time, he said, you can't stop this. You can't. You, if I sat there and told everybody, silencio, be quiet, everybody be quiet. Do not say this anymore. The rocks would start screaming out. 
Is that amazing? Ooh, he made the rocks. Of course they would. Man, oh man, this is awesome. Now, as he drew near, he's on his way. He gets close. The, the picture is amazing because the heart of Jesus is so open. I, I need you to know this. Jesus doesn't hide it. God's not trying to hide stuff from you. He's trying to get it to you. He's trying to get you to know this. He wants you to know him. Listen, listen. You can be robbed through your, your past training and understanding that isn't tied to truth. You can get robbed of this freedom. You can get robbed of this whole thing that Jesus came to give us just based upon faulty teaching in your life. And it robs people. And when I say that, I, I'm, again, I'm speaking out of my life and my journey. And I know what works and what doesn't work. And I can tell you right now, legalism works will never work. It'll never work. If you don't understand grace, you can never understand freedom. It's impossible. I'm talking about the real grace in here. Not the, not the good grace, but has limits. No, because that's not biblical. It doesn't even teach that way. I'm talking about pure grace. The grace that really freaks people out. The one that, that people look at and go, well, grace can't because if I keep doing this or I keep acting that way. No, no, no. Grace abounds. People love to say this when I, when I reference this stuff about the grace of God. They like to say, well, you're just giving people a license to sin, teaching grace that way. Hear me. You never need a license to sin. You are good at it. You don't need no license. It, do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, just because you know grace, and then you're going to go, well, I'll just sin more. No, you always will sin more. That's what you've always done. Your mindset of understanding grace is never, oh, I can do more bad. No, when you're taught right, you're like going, oh, man, I got to honor him more. I got to honor him more. I mean, it, no matter what I do, it don't matter. Grace abounds. It's going to abound. It's, it doesn't matter. Your opinion doesn't matter. The truth is the truth. You know what we have a problem with? We have a problem with that love and that grace. We have an issue with it. And the issue is, is us. We don't understand his love, his great love, which he said, by the way, has nothing to do with you. It isn't because you loved him first. It isn't because you straightened up first. It isn't because you promised and vowed, I won't do anything wrong, cross my heart, hope to die. He said, in your worst state, while you were sinners, Christ died for you. And then all of a sudden you get saved, you're living for Jesus, and all this changes now? And he's looking around, how can I kick them out? Oh, they've done it three times in a row. How can I kick them out? Well, they repented, but they must not have meant it because they did it in the next day. How can I kick them out? You don't know the Bible. And I'm, being, I'm trying to be as nice and gentle as I can, but you don't know it. 
you have religious instruction in you that'll destroy your life because you'll never amount to anything in your own righteousness. You know what God says about your own righteousness? You know what the Bible teaches about it? Filthy rags. Jesus says, my father, we have a plan. And I've come to die for you and your filthiness. And it's not because you love me because I first loved you. Because my father so loved the world that he gave me to die for you. That's when you start understanding grace and love. That's when you understand freedom and truth. It will set you free. It will set you free. Listen, I understood the old teaching that is not lined up with grace in scripture. I've been there, done that. I mean, I went, I went to Bible school for a couple of years that even helped strengthen that type of viewpoint. But I can tell you right now, I sinned more during those times, way more than I did when I started to find out what true grace was. I can tell you right now, I sinned way less. Way less. Way less than before. Now you'd assume by the other people's opinions that I'd be sinning more because of grace. But no, you don't. Grace teaches, and that's scripture, by the way. Grace teaches, and when you're taught correctly, it'll keep getting you in a place of empowerment. Your sins, listen, that's the issue with you, not with God. You understand that? It's not your apple hanging on the apple tree that is an issue with. It's the nature and that's what Ephesians and Galatians and Corinthians, that's what the Bible teaches, Romans. It's about your nature, not about the fruit. It's about your nature. And the sin nature has to be changed. Now, your problem is, is you still got the momentum of your old nature that's causing you to act out that old nature. But your nature's changed if you've received Jesus. Now it's the process of that transformation. How do you change? Well, it ain't by saying, God, do it for me. Jesus will make a way. Yeah, I know we sing songs like that, but that's not Bible. What's going to make a way is you making the right choices and renewing your mind. The only way you can change who you are is to change the way you think. You are perfect in your spirit. You're righteous before God. You've been justified in crisis in you right now. And don't tell me you don't sin. Everybody in here has sinned. Some of you sinned on the way here. I'm serious. If you walked in this parking lot and you saw a piece of paper laying on the ground, litter, and you walked past it and you saw it, you sinned. You might be thinking, what, are you crazy? No, to him or her that knows to do good, it would have been good for you to pick it up and you don't do it? Sin! Sinners! Do you guys hear what I'm saying? And then what other sins? I mean, can, can we, should we make a list of just this morning? Anybody, anybody drive 41 in the 40? 
No, 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 I'm asking you. Anybody drive 41 or 42 in the 40? You sinned. You disobeyed the law. Find out from, go to Glendale or Phoenix and ask them, if I drive 41, am I breaking the law? They'll go, yes. Now, are they going to give, pull you over? No. But is it the law that says, do not go past 40? Yes. You sinned. Oh, how many sinners are sitting out there right now? How many of you? What are you going to do about it? Because you do it every day. Some of you be doing it all the time. Just look straight ahead. Don't look at your neighbor. You guys hear what I'm saying? But see, you know, when I make it this way, we, we people, you know, it's relaxed. Everybody's like kidding. But I'm just telling you what a doctrine in the church is, but they don't want to talk this way. They want, they want it to be evil sins. It's those evil ones. The evil ones count. The other ones don't. Oh, excuse me. Show me that in the Bible. All sin separates. So show me. Show me scripture where, no, it's, these are good sins. I only said she looked cute in that. I was lying, but it was because I didn't want to hurt her feelings. No, that's sin. That's sin. Yeah, but God doesn't, no, see, that's it. That's how false doctrine is created. Opinion. It's like people, when they, when they want to look at God and say, well, God causes this or God brings sickness and I'll glorify God in his sickness. You're a liar. Every pastor that preaches that, every, every Christian that believes it because of that false teaching is living a lie, believing a lie. You know why? Because every single one of them will go to the doctor or go to the medicine cabinet or do everything they can to get rid of something that is supposed to be God-given. How dare you? If you're going to believe that doctrine, you better believe that doctrine. And you go up to that pastor when you know he ran to the doctor after he, was, he went to his, his, his physical and the doctor said, you have this. And now he ain't praising God and going, well, it's God's will. No, he's not. Cut it out. Get it out. Get rid of it. Wait a minute. It's God's will. See how these false doctrines, they don't hold, they don't hold anything to truth. But many people, many people believe this stuff. What are you going to do with it? We're either going to believe the truth and be free, or we're going to be robbed by these things. I'm not going to be robbed. I'm going to continue to grow and continue to get this information in me. Let's go on this journey together, all right? Why? Because I want to know the truth, the truth that sets free. And he who sets free is free indeed. I mean, free indeed. He's just like going, no, man, you're totally free, but you got to understand the truth. Quit blaming God for the devil. Quit blaming God for the curse. Quit blaming God for nasty people. Quit blaming God for sickness and disease. Can anybody scientifically prove in here or something you know or read that sickness and disease brings health? Anybody? Anyone? There's, there, can you tell me of a benefit of sickness and disease? Can we all agree right now that sickness and disease kills, steals, and destroys. Proven scientifically. So you think God's a part of that? No, if I remember right, Jesus said, I give life and life more abundantly. The devil, Satan, kill, steal, and destroys. I have come not to be a part of that. Come on, buddy. 
Are you having a good Palm Sunday? We got the crowds. We got everybody going, Jesus, Jesus, he's our man. Let's give Jesus a great big man. Right? It's the multitudes, everybody. Jesus has gone through this process of time, and now he starts going off on the religious. And he starts hitting them hard. The reason why it's so important is, is because we need to see something that's, I believe, very impacting for us. And that is, when you start looking at the words of Jesus from this point on, he is speaking to the crowds and to his disciples. And he says this, the teachers of the religious laws and Pharisees are interpretators of the laws, self-proclaim. Practice and obey whatever they tell you, that's part of the word, but don't follow their example. They don't practice what they teach. This is, this is day three. He's going to go day three, day four. I mean, he's going, I mean, day 12. He's going to go day 10, day 11. He goes to Jerusalem. He throws the, t- the tables over, whips the, the, the money changers. He says, this is a house of prayer, not a den of thieves. And den of thieves is a place where thieves go out, rob, and come back and hang out. And that's what happens. Jesus said, they, we ain't having this. Then he leaves, comes back again. And now see, this is when he starts on his, on his rampage. He starts going, I'm going to set stuff straight for everybody to hear. So now he's going on 13. We got four. You know, we got these days where he's going toward the cross, the whole process. So now he's setting it straight about religion. He's setting it straight about these people that proclaim themselves righteous that say, I am, a, we know the truth and you can get it from us, only from us. And so he comes in and says, no, don't listen. Don't listen to these guys because you're going to look at their lives. They have no fruit, no fruit at all. If we could take some advice, it would help us. I said, if we can take some advice, it can help us. Pay attention to fruit, people. Don't pay attention to the outward fake stuff. Pay attention to what you reveal and what you're seeing, the fruit of people. Amen? And that's what Jesus said. He says, they don't practice what they teach. They're not doers. They just hear. They crush people with impossible religious demands and never lift a finger to ease the burden. It's all righteousness by works with them. All talk, no walk. Amen? Amen? Matthew 23, 11 says this, the greatest among you must be a servant. Boy, a lot of people don't like to listen to that. They want to be the greatest among you. Get rid of the servant part. Give me a title. All you have to do is serve people. You'll be a leader. I can't get leaders to understand. I mean, people who want to be leaders understand that. But those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? This is Jesus, and believe me, Jesus is not speaking monotone. Jesus is not speaking with a soft voice. Not, I don't want to trigger anybody. You hypocrites. I'm not really referencing you guys. I'm just saying it in general. Are you kidding me? This is, Jesus is, is, King of kings, the Lord of lords. He's walking with authority and power and might. And he's on a mission to the cross. So don't tell me he's sitting there going, well, guys, 
We're supposed to love you, everybody. I'm Jesus. That's not biblical. Do you understand that? It's not. All right, moving right along. He says this. The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? You shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You won't go in yourselves and you don't let others in either. They're hindering people from the truth. What sorrow awaits you? Verse 15. What sorrow awaits the teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you cross the land and see and make one convert. Then you turn that person the twice the child of hell you are. Woo-hoo, my gosh. You know who he's talking to? He's talking about the highest level of religious people, the most highest level of the picture of those that serve God that we look at and we're going, and he's calling them hypocrites, children of hell, children of the devil. Baby snakes. I mean, he goes off on them. Now, there's a reason you need to understand that is because he's going to the cross and he's making his last statement before he gets there. And that is this. Enough is enough. I'm about to do what I'm doing. Now think about it. He's leaving this last picture. How long does it take to go to the cross, die, and rise again? few days, right? Death, resurrection is just three. To the cross is a few more days. So he's like going, I got to set the record straight on these guys. I got to let everybody hear this and everybody know. So that's what he does. He goes off. Read it. Read the, read the chapters between Palm Sunday, Jesus arriving in Jerusalem, to the night he was betrayed by Judas, which by the way, he told his disciples, hey guys, I'm about to get arrested. I'm going to the cross and y'all are going to leave me. Remember what Peter said and the rest of them? Heck no. No, we won't. Jesus said, you all are. Peter, because you wanted to be the most aggressive in this, you're not only going to scatter from me, but you're going to deny me. Can you imagine this? These are the ones that are closest to him. Why is this important? Well, it's not to scare us. It's not to get us in a place of, of guilt and condemnation. It's, it's to bring revelation of crowd one became crowd two. And crowd one is the crowd that's saying, I have this expectation of Jesus, but he's not the right expectation I should have. What does that mean? That means that it can't carry you into life. It's going to rob you. So Jesus goes in and just pounds, pounds on religion, just pounds on it. One, I mean, just one day after another, bam, bam, bam. And, and letting them have it but also bringing revelation of what we need to understand because everything he's saying, we need to be doing opposite. And so he goes on this communication to them and revealing truth to us. And then in this position, he's now telling his disciples, you guys are leaving me too. Peter, you're going to deny me. 
And that's leaving us, honestly, it's leaving me with no hope because I'm looking at this going, then what's the, what's the case for us? If we've all done, and you look at crowd one, everybody's going, Hosanna, Hosanna, the king, the king. Crowd two, which are some a part of one, are going, crucify him, crucify him. The scripture says that the Pharisees convinced the crowd to pick Barabbas over Jesus. The crowd, I believe that many were over there going, Hosanna, Hosanna, are now saying, kill him, kill him. Five days, five days from the king is here to crucify him. Five days. What I need, why do I need to hear this? Because I can do that in one day. Not me personally, if there was a time in my life where I could, I can't now, but point is, is yeah, I could if, if I got away from everything I know, everything I believe. Yeah, I could. But I keep pressing. I keep pressing. And I won't stop. Keep pressing. You start coasting, that's when you deny. You got to press. You got to continue to press. You, this isn't a life where you can sit back and just, you know, I'll put Jesus on on Sunday, but that's about it. You're going to be in the second crowd. It won't take long. It'll take something happening, something, you know, you wanted this and you didn't get it. And all of a sudden you're like going, forget this stuff. I mean, I've seen it by the hundreds, hundreds over the years. I don't want that to be anybody in here. I don't want it to be anyone out there. I've never wanted it to be anyone. I want you to know the truth. And I want you to be able to sing and praise him and go for the hosannas and everything else and, and take the communion like the disciples did. And they're having communion and they're singing songs and they end. And what's the next stage after that? They're leaving Jesus. So all that stuff, if it isn't here, you can leave it. Religion here works. This has to be love, life. Amen? By doing that, we can and will stay number one crowd. And never get around number two. We'll be up with King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Hallelujah. Amen? That's who we'll be. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we won't be. I don't know that, Jesus. Are you guys hearing me? Let's remind ourselves, all right? Coming up to Easter, it's Resurrection Sunday. Something to pay attention to because I believe that resurrection is a time of hope. But also it can be twofold. It can be that place where you need a, a life change and you, you need someone to come in and put the electric shock on you to bring you back to life. And it can be a catapult where you've been doing good and you've been moving forward, but man, it's time to even spring in a higher level.
So that's what I'm believing for next Sunday. But today, I believe that we recognize, you know what? I'm making a stand. And it's stand with crowd one. I ain't going to crowd two. I'm going to keep strong. I'm going to keep focused, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. And he was able to endure the cross because of the joy set before him. That's who I look at. My endurance through this world is because my eyes are on Jesus. Whose are yours on? Let's look to the right one, right? Look to the right one. I, I think it's, um, I forgot if it's in Jude or which one, but it talks about Lot, you know, and you read about Lot and you never think of righteous Lot, but it says righteous Lot was stuck in Sodom and Gomorrah because he heard and saw. I think that's so impacting because of the, the understanding of what are you looking at and what are you listening to? Because what he looked at and what he listened to kept him in a place of disgust, grossness, what he looked at and what he listened to. And when you look at Jesus' teaching, this just shown to me right now. You look at the teaching of Jesus, he says, in the picture of the heart, he says, make the tree good and the tree will be good. Make the tree bad and the tree will be bad. For the fruit is known by the tree. The nature produces and that's the revelation. But what I love about that, and it's, it's this picture of Jesus is saying, if you have a bad heart, you're going to be bad. If you have a good heart, you're going to be good. But I love what he says because that can be condemning. That can be in a position where like going, man, there's no hope. But he starts off with make the tree good. That's hope. That means I can make it. I can change it. If I got some bad going on, I can change it to good. Make the tree good. And that's what I'm choosing to do. I'm going to make life good. I'm going to make choices good. I'm going to do that today. Not tomorrow, not yesterday. Make the right choices. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Guess what he says after that? Watch your mouth. Watch what comes out of your mouth. It's tied to the heart. If you have nothing good to say or nothing that's right to say, zip it. All right? Y'all with me? Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about love life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.